Section three of Christian Science by Mark Twain, read by John Greenman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three. Under the powerful influence of the near treatment and the absent treatment together, my bones were gradually retreating inward and disappearing from view. The good work took a brisk start now and went on swiftly my body was diligently straining and stretching this way and that to accommodate the processes of restoration and every minute or two i heard a dull click inside and knew that the two ends of a fracture had been successfully joined this muffled clicking and gritting and grinding and rasping continued during the next three hours and then stopped the connections had all been made all except dislocations there were only seven of these hips shoulders knees neck so that was soon over one after another they slipped into their sockets with a sound like pulling a distant cork and i jumped up as good as new as to framework and sent for the horse doctor i was obliged to do this because i had a stomach-ache and a cold in the head and i was not willing to trust these things any longer in the hands of a woman whom i did not know and in whose ability to successfully treat mere disease i had lost all confidence my position was justified by the fact that the cold and the ache had been in her charge from the first along with the fractures but had experienced not a shade of relief and indeed the ache was even growing worse and worse and more and more bitter now probably on account of the protracted abstention from food and drink the horse doctor came a pleasant man and full of hope and professional interest in the case in the matter of smell he was pretty aromatic in fact quite horsey and i tried to arrange with him for absent treatment but it was not in his line so out of delicacy i did not press it he looked at my teeth and examined my hawk and said my age and general condition were favorable to energetic measures therefore he would give me something to turn the stomach-ache into the bots and the cold in the head into the blind staggers then he should be on his own beat and would know what to do he made up a bucket of bran mash and said a dipper full of it every two hours alternated with a drench with turpentine and axle grease in it would either knock my ailments out of me in twenty-four hours or so interest me in other ways as to make me forget they were on the premises he administered my first dose himself then took his leave saying i was free to eat and drink anything i pleased and in any quantity i liked but i was not hungry any more and did not care for food i took up the christian science book and read half of it then took a dipper full of drench and read the other half the resulting experiences were full of interest and adventure all through the rumblings and grindings and quakings and effervescings accompanying the evolution of the ache into the bots and the cold into the blind staggers i could note the generous struggle for mastery going on between the mash and the drench and the literature and often i could tell which was ahead 
and could easily distinguish the literature from the others when the others were separate though not when they were mixed for when a bran mash and an eclectic drench are mixed together they look just like the apodictical principle out on a lark and no one can tell it from that the finish was reached at last the evolutions were complete and a fine success but i think that this result could have been achieved with fewer materials i believe the mash was necessary to the conversion of the stomach-ache into the bots but i think one could develop the blind staggers out of the literature by itself also that blind staggers produced in this way would be of a better quality and more lasting than any produced by the artificial processes of the horse-doctor for of all the strange and frantic and incomprehensible and uninterpretable books which the imagination of man has created surely this one is the prize sample it is written with a limitless confidence and complacency and with a dash and stir and earnestness which often compel the effects of eloquence even when the words do not seem to have any traceable meaning there are plenty of people who imagine they understand the book i know this for i have talked with them but in all cases they were people who also imagined that there were no such things as pain sickness and death and no realities in the world nothing actually existent but mind it seems to me to modify the value of their testimony when these people talk about christian science they do as mrs fuller did they do not use their own language but the books they pour out the book's showy incoherences and leave you to find out later that they were not originating but merely quoting they seem to know the volume by heart and to revere it as they would a bible another bible perhaps i ought to say plainly the book was written under the mental desolations of the third degree and i feel sure that none but the membership of that degree can discover meanings in it when you read it you seem to be listening to a lively and aggressive and oracular speech delivered in an unknown tongue a speech whose spirit you get but not the particulars or to change the figure you seem to be listening to a vigorous instrument which is making a noise which it thinks is a tune but which to persons not members of the band is only the martial tooting of a trombone and merely stirs the soul through the noise but does not convey a meaning the book's serenities of self-satisfaction do almost seem to smack of a heavenly origin they have no bloodkin in the earth it is more than human to be so placidly certain about things and so finely superior and so airily content with one's performance without ever presenting anything which may rightfully be called by the strong name of evidence and sometimes without even mentioning a reason for a deduction at all it thunders out the startling words i have proved so and so it takes the pope and all the great guns of his church in battery assembled to authoritatively settle and establish the meaning of a sole and single unclarified passage of scripture and this at vast cost of time and study and reflection but the author of this work is superior to all that 
she finds the whole bible in an unclarified condition and at small expense of time and no expense of mental effort she clarifies it from lid to lid reorganizes and improves the meanings then authoritatively settles and establishes them with formulas which you cannot tell from let there be light and here you have it it is the first time since the dawn days of creation that a voice has gone crashing through space with such placid and complacent confidence and command note january nineteen o three the first reading of any book whose terminology is new and strange is nearly sure to leave the reader in a bewildered and sarcastic state of mind but now that during the past two months i have by diligence gained a fair acquaintanceship with science and health technicalities i no longer find the bulk of that work hard to understand m t p s the wisdom harvested from the foregoing thoughts has already done me a service and saved me a sorrow nearly a month ago there came to me from one of the universities a tract by dr edward anthony spitzka on the encephalic anatomy of the races i judged that my opinion was desired by the university and i was greatly pleased with this attention and wrote and said i would furnish it as soon as i could that night i put my plodding and disheartening christian science mining aside and took hold of the matter i wrote an eager chapter and was expecting to finish my opinion the next day but was called away for a week and my mind was soon charged with other interests it was not until today, after the lapse of nearly a month that i happened upon my encephalic chapter again meantime the new wisdom had come to me and i read it with shame i recognized that i had entered upon that work in far from the right temper far from the respectful and judicial spirit which was its due of reverence i had begun upon it with the following paragraph for fuel fissures of the parietal and occipital lobes lateral surface the post-central fissural complex in this hemicerebrum the post-central and sub-central are combined to form a continuous fissure attaining a length of eight point five centimeters dorsally the fissure bifurcates embracing the gyre indented by the caudal limb of the paracentral the caudal limb of the post-central is joined by a transparietal piece in all five additional rami spring from the combined fissure a vadum separates it from the parietal another from the central it humiliates me now to see how angry i got over that and how scornful i said that the style was disgraceful that it was labored and tumultuous and in places violent that the treatment was involved and erratic and almost as a rule bewildering that to lack of simplicity was added a lack of vocabulary that there was quite too much feeling shown that if i had a dog that would get so excited and incoherent over a tranquil subject like encephalic anatomy i would not pay his tax and at that point i got excited myself and spoke bitterly of these mongrel insanities and said a person might as well try to understand science and health 
I know now where the trouble was, and am glad of the interruption that saved me from sending my verdict to the university. It makes me cold to think what those people might have thought of me. M. T. End of chapter 3